<clears throat> well, hello, church family. This is uh, Exodus 21. <clears throat> and this is, a, uh, like I said last week, this is going to be a very doozy chapter because we're going to talk about a very uncomfortable subject to us Americans. And uh, that is a topic of slavery. And, uh, and probably this is probably one of the biggest reasons um, that non-believers hate on the Bible. In fact, I would argue that some new Christians that are listening to this may cringe when you talk about the subject because oftentimes we don't research enough or think through the passages enough about the topic of slavery in relative to, to, in relative to the Bible. Where a lot of people say that they, oh, the Bible promotes slavery. Um, and usually when they think about slavery, they're, they're importing what they think American slavery is to what it was back then. Now, the Bible is actually against that type of slavery. The slavery that you're thinking about, uh, the Bible does talk about, but it doesn't promote in that sense. Uh, and I'll, sp I'll speak more on what that means uh, as we get through this chapter. But again, oftentimes people think that the slavery, that uh, the American <laughs> slavery, where they you know, kidnap people and bring them to another country, um, that's actually, they think that that's what the Bible talks about when it comes to slavery. But that's actually not the case here. It's not really the same thing. Although, although that, uh, that type of slavery is mentioned in the Bible, it's, all, it's always mentioned in the negative. In fact, uh, uh, later on, it's us speak about how there's a consequence to those who, who do, uh, who wants to kidnap people. Uh, even if they are kidnapping people that are um, enemies of God, that's a considered a sin. Now, when we get to chapter 21, uh, this is again after chapter 20, which is the Ten Commandments. Chapter 21 is the um, it's supposed to give you like a case law. Like if you know something about recently with all these courts and stuff, they, they usually sometimes make reference to the past about how they apply the law uh, or, or circumstances in which um, you can think through the process. Remember, Exodus 18, Moses was sitting there with trying to answer every little question. And here in 21, he's, a, he's actually writing out uh, specifically what some, I'm sure these, some of these debates came up, like what would we do with this, and how they go about it. And this is written so that people will understand how they're supposed to treat one another. And in this particular instance, they're supposed to know how to treat slaves, um, how they are supposed to uh, interact with slaves. Now again, you have to understand in the context of this book, Israel were slaves to the Egyptians. And, and again, also this is different, and I have to recall, uh, say this, because the slavery then and now, or what we think about uh, slavery now, is different. Because back then, it wasn't like a bunch of white people being, uh, uh, you know, enslaving black people. These are all Middle Eastern people enslaving one another. Um, all these people were, you know, Israelites were, were um, you know, Middle Eastern, so the Egypt, Egyptians, they're Africans, and then there's these African people enslaving essentially these Middle Eastern people. Uh, so don't think in terms of the racial thing that we think about in our modern day. Um, in fact, liberation theology often look at this text and is like confused by it because it's like oh see this is part of the bible we need to ignore it's like well you just like the first few chapters about freeing yourself from the bondage of slavery but now when you get to the part where there's like commands about slavery then suddenly they leave this part out but here is actually uh god's commandments in terms of uh, on how uh, to treat your slaves Remember the, the commandments before, or the Ten Commandments, but you should not bear, uh, you should not steal, you should not murder. You, you, you know, there's these, all these commandments about how you will treat one another. The first uh, case law or, or case study in which Moses writes for the people is in the, in the context of slaves in their own home. Again, Israel just came out of uh, Egypt and they were slaves and their understanding of slavery is exactly how the Egyptians did it. 
So it would almost be like me right now teaching you, the listener, about what, how, what, what type of slavery is pleasing to the Lord. Because the Egyptians were evil people uh, towards the Israelites. And the Israelites thought, okay, that's the slavery that we're going to model after. And God here is saying, no, that is actually not the case. Let me teach you something that you need to do in order to, to um, promote human flourishing and to, and, and to keep the dignity of the, of the slave intact. So there's a certain way in which uh, the, the, that slaves are to be treated um, that's supposed to be, that is actually pleasing and honoring to the Lord. Uh, God uh, liberated the, these people, the Israelites, and they are going to be prosperous. They're going to enter into the promised land. They're going to be so prosperous that they're actually going to have slaves themselves. And how they are supposed to interact with their slaves will be radically different from the way that the Egyptians treated them. And again, it's supposed to be uh, a recalibration of what they understand of slavery. Again, similar to the way what I'm doing to you now, when I'm trying to explain to you what God's intent is when he gives this law. Uh, again, God is okay with slavery, uh, just not the slavery that you think. And the type of slavery that God is okay with is um, it sometimes actually is okay with man, but there are things in which uh, where God is not okay with slavery that man is okay with, like the kidnapping, or there's a slavery <laughs> that... Um, that, that, that God is okay with, that man is not okay with, mainly treat them with, with respect. So man, humanity, all, and especially Israelites at the time, they needed to submit themselves under God's standard of how to treat people. And that's what these first several verses are about. I'm going to actually spend this entire episode on just the first 11 verses about, uh, about just the slavery and how uh, the Israelites were supposed to treat the slaves of Israel which is essentially their own people or other people that, that join the covenant uh, nation of Israel. Now, there are different categories of slaves. The Bible speaks of, um, the, there are three, three essential categories here. And masters need to take care and love their slaves the way that they want to be cared for and loved. So there's three types of categories. There's one that are the, the stolen slaves. These are, these are forbidden by God. If you look at Verse 16 of chapter 21, it says this, He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or is found in his possession, shall surely put to death. And this means that if you go out to a nation, you take someone, you steal a family, and then you, and, and, uh, and so, and you get caught, you get, you're, are put to death because that's illegal in, in God's eyes. That's an abomination to God's eye. And not only the, the kidnappers, but those that are in possession of it. So if, let's say, uh, you were just going about so I was like, hey, can you hold on to this slave? And if you're in cotton position with someone that was kidnapped, you get busted as well. And it's like, hey, that's not fair. Well, that's like the same thing when modern day when we think about like like child pornography, right? Someone can get uh, busted for uh, distributing it, making it, as well as possessing it. And that's the same idea here, that God's saying that you don't treat people like that. You don't go and kidnap people. You can't do that. And if you do, you're put to death. That's verse 16 here. And that's forbidden by God. In the New Testament, it speaks the same thing. In, in the beginning of 2 Timothy, I, believe, I think it's first or 2 Timothy, where it says, like, you know, things that are abomination of the Lord are kidnappers. That's this idea here. <laughs> that you kidnap people. Stolen slaves. And there's a second category, which is actually mentioned in the first, in verse 1 and 2 here. And these are the six-year volunteer slaves. So now let's go to chapter 1. Now these are the ordinances which you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve for six years. But on the seventh year, on the seventh, he shall go free out as a free man without 
payment. So, uh, um, so this is um, this is uh, the six-year volunteer slave, and this is what's going on here. The slave, uh, in all categories, in the in the original, it's just obed, which means a servant. So, again, it's the it's not the same connotation as the first one, where it's like you you kidnapping a slave. This is like a different context and why it's a different meaning and, and, and understanding. But this six-year volunteer is more like in our in our modern day thinking, like a contract. They're like contract workers. They're servants uh, for a certain amount of time, and uh, uh, and you and, and no need to pay them or for them to buy their way out of freedom. They don't need to basically work the way out of it. It's the idea like they're just they work for you for us uh, for. Uh, Agreed upon time, they're paid. Uh, they are. Uh, they have a lodging, and they have everything else. They're probably treated with with respect. They're just there for a certain amount of time. Now we understand this in the temporal sense. Some of you guys are your freelancer, your contractor. You they, you're, you you agree upon what's the person you, that hired you to work on a project for a certain amount of time, and when you're done, you get paid for it. Right? That's the same idea. Or in military, military has a uh, you have your contract. You you go in the military. They give you food. They give you lodging. They give you weapons. They give you training. They give you every little thing that you need. And if you break that contract, however, you get punished for it. That's what's going on here. That if a person volunteers and puts himself into the slave, they could only be sl uh, slaves for a maximum of six years. And on seven years, they're supposed to go be free. And then there's a third category of slaves, uh, which is captured in war. Uh, these are so the first category is, uh, slaves are kidnapped, second is uh, volunteer, and third are captured in war. Uh, back then, um, when you think about warfare, there it wasn't like they had this human hu human rights thing that we're thinking about. There was no like you Geneva Accord. The Geneva Accords after World War II, when like people get uh, you nations lose, they're supposed to be like, okay, we're gonna find ways to put you in an in encampment or or in prison or something like that. Back then, it was either you die or you could choose to be a slave. And if that slave of the enemy state decides to run away, then they uh, uh, they get killed, and basically they lost. They lost the war, uh, and this is what they get for it. Um, and it's and that's considered permissible. Um, again, that's just the reality of back then. Even nowadays, is what happens. Uh, that's just the corruption of man, and God gives uh, ways in which people are supposed to treat one another. Moving on, verse three: If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is a husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. So it's like, if a husband and wife decide to both put themselves as a as a, as a contract worker or a slave to the master, then they both leave together. Verse 4, if he gives him a slave and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master and he shall go out alone. Now this is where it gets kind of uh, tricky for because you just read it, uh, then you get kind of like, well, well, that's messed up. They're like separating the family. Again, in their context, it just means that they don't work for them anymore. This doesn't mean that they're no longer their family. It's like, it's like, oh, we're separated. Like, you're no longer able to see your kids. It just means, like, no, they are just working for that family. Um, and, uh, and usually at that time, when they, when they would do marriages, it's always arranged marriage, right? Like, um, if, in this case, the, ma the, the single slave goes in and he, like, he, he, oh, he likes his other slave. And, you know, so maybe it's like the... Uh, is you know the slave that belongs to like some other person in the family and is like oh okay why don't you guys get married uh, she was a contractor worker with me and then you want to marry her you can uh, marry together and whatever your kids and uh, whatever your, you know if you guys have kids uh, they stay with me and and this is actually in context of like the wife and the kid have like a different type of contract you know like it might be like staggered like maybe the first slave was there for like one year like four years and the second and the wife 
or the future lover what came in like the first year and then when they have kids and they have to just fulfill that contract and before they go so that's what that means here that they're supposed to go out alone but at verse 5 it says this but if the slave plainly says i love my master my wife and my children i will not go as a free man um, then his master shall bring him to god uh, bring him to god and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him permanently so this is a slave that understands like, hey, I like working here. This is a pretty cool, stable job. I love this family. I love being with my family in this family. So why don't we just stay here? Why don't we just make a career out of living here? Again, that seems so foreign to us because we don't think in those terms. But you actually do think in these terms. And here is how I know. Like if you, my wife introduced this show to me, and I'm sure a lot of you've watched this. It's called Downton Abbey. You understand what that show, like, you know, that show where it's like all the people living downstairs or serving stuff like that. And they love that household. They love being there. And then some of these, like, you know, they're there for generations. That's what this is. This is what it is. Think Downton Abbey kind of slavery. Like those people down there, you know, doing all they can to, to keep that land and to, you know, serve the master or the Lord or whatever. That's what's going on here. That's what this passage is saying, that they love being there. They love the family. They want to continue to serve them. And again, this isn't the slavery that we think about in terms of, like oh they're stuck in the in the you know in the in the cellar in the basement and only come out when it's work no these people can you know leave the property buy things go back they have their own property in the property that's what the slavery was back then it wasn't like the American type of slavery it's like Downton Abbey think in those terms and you realize like okay this is actually more civil in that way verse seven if a man sells his daughter as a female slave, she is not to go free as the male slaves do. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master who designated her from himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He does not have authority to sell her to foreign people because of his unfairness to her. Now, this is someone, this is essentially saying like uh, he, he, he has a slave and he, and, uh, if uh, you know if she is um if he wants to fire her basically uh he needs to go and pay them out like if he if he has a daughter that is a slave uh and she doesn't fulfill her job and she's just a terrible worker then you just fire them you know you, and, you, and if you fire them though you need to like basically pay make sure that they uh they go out with the money you know it's like that the, uh they redeemed him that's what the verse eight was like he shall let her be redeemed um so it's like they made a contract saying like I'll be a slave for six years. She 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 does it. She she fulfills a contract, but the guy says I don't like this. Uh, I think this is not a good fit for you. You should go. So it's like well I prom you well, we made a deal that I was gonna be your slave for six years. You're firing me after two. Then you're gonna have to uh, pay me for the four years that I'm not working. So what what does that mean? And again we may think this is so cruel, but we actually understand that we actually have this in our American system. It's called the National Football League or the National Basketball Association or the Major League Baseball, right? Because each time when you think of a sports person, when they, you know, they perform well, they, they keep them, right? But if sometimes when the certain player doesn't like, is, doesn't do well, then they trade them for, for to another team. And sometimes they trade for one or two players or, or depending on how good or how bad the person is, they might trade even more players or whatever. Uh, they, they'll pay them out <laughs> and then they'll trade the individual so that they can do better. So that's what's going on here. Um, uh, if that person is, if the, if this female slave is not does not uh, is fired, then he shall uh, sell. You know, he he shall basically pay her out, buy uh, buy her out in that sense, or trade with someone else and basically will keep her stable. Verse nine: If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of of daughters, meaning 
if this let's say there's someone in the household like if you if the, the dad has a son and then the son loves this is like falls in love with the slaves um, and they decide to get married he arranges the marriage and they get married then she becomes part of the family again using Downton Abbey as a reference remember if you I don't know which season it was but there was that one guy he was like the chauffeur right he was a driver and then all of a sudden he uh, falls in love with the with the with one of the daughters and the moment he becomes uh you know married he's no longer the cab driver anymore but he's a son so he could go upstairs and and you know, have dinner with the meals and you know those people that he used to serve with are now serving him that's what's going on here that you don't treat them like their servant anymore but you treat them like a daughter so there's these family relationships that we see both in verse 5 and verse 9 that if you if you if they you treat them with dignity you don't treat them like a property um you treat them with dignity you treat them like with respect and then that's how you uh that's how god expects of them verse 10 if he takes himself another woman he may not reduce her food her clothing or her conjugal rights if he will not do these three things for her then she shall go out for nothing without payment uh, of money. So what this saying is that if, let's say, this uh, uh, son marries a daughter and then he decides, I want to divorce her, I want to leave her, then he needs to still provide for her. This is, I guess, even, again, modern day, we know these things, like if they're you know, married with children, there's like those uh, rights that you have to pay uh, the you know, spousal support and everything like that. That's this picture here. It's supposed to protect people because God knows that man is so sinful that if they choose to do, if they're left to their own devices, if they're not given rules, people will just be reckless. So God gives them the standard here so that they know how they're supposed to treat uh, one another or, or how the masters are supposed to treat their slaves. That's really the main relationship here. That through all of this, they're supposed to be a civil society that loves and treats their slaves with the respect that they want to be respected, with the love that they want to show the love. And in doing that, they become a light to the world. Because remember, the, the, the known world at the time treated their slaves the way that the Egyptians treated the Israelites. And if you think back all the way in the beginning of our study in the Exodus, the, Isra- the Egyptians were very cruel, right? They, 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 they saw the slaves, the Israelite slaves being over, uh, there's just so, much, so many of them, so their solution was just to just kill as many of the firstborns as, as they can. And, you know, and if they went to revolt, they gave them more work to do. This was, that was, so, that was what the evil picture of, 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 of what the world was doing at the time. And God is saying, here's a better way, a better way in which you guys can thrive with, at the, at the same time, uh, not to thrive in terms of financially, but you thrive in such a way that there's love amongst the entire community of Israel. So that's what we're going to look at today, just the, the way that the slaves are supposed to be treated by the Israelites because God wants them to treat each other in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And these restrictions are to protect them from harming one another. And we'll continue seeing that more uh, in the, this week as we look at some of the personal injuries as well as property damage um, with you know, the way that animals are supposed to be treated and then the way that what you would do when people mistreat you. So... That's it for today. I know this is a very, uh, can be a rough ch- uh, chapter, but again, if you, if you understand it in its context, it's actually not as bad as you may think. It may be complicated because we don't know some of the cultural things, but when you understand those things the way God intends it, you don't have to be embarrassed about the scripture. 
because I think if our modern people understand this, the way that we, they treat each other, even just whether it's like sports or whatever in any other context or working, there's going to be a natural love and respect. And I think that's what people want, but they don't understand it because they don't understand the God of the Bible. But I hope you do. I hope that this gives you some clarity on this topic. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a good day.